0: Welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm Jared
1: St. Clair, and I'm your host each and every week. I am really intrigued by the conversation that I'm about to share with you because this topic is really hot right now. You may have heard the word collagen getting thrown around. It's in so many articles and so many different publications online right now. And people are talking about not just collagen, but how do we make more collagen? Should we be using collagen as a supplement? What can it do for everything from things like leaky gut to joint health, to bone density and bone health, and all of the different possible benefits of collagen. But one thing that I don't hear a lot of people talking about are what are the things that our body needs to make more collagen. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I've got Richard Passwater Jr. joining me on Vitality Radio. Richard, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me. It's a real honor and privilege to be here today. I always enjoy listening to your podcasts, and I'm excited to be part of it. Thank you.
1: It's exciting to have you. Before we started recording, we talked about how both of our fathers are long-time natural products industry people going way back. In fact, our fathers were born a year apart from each other back in 36 and 37. And as old timers in the industry, it'll be fun to reminisce about this stuff and how it goes. But let me tell my audience a little bit about you first. You're the medical and educational director with Biominerals NV, which is a Belgian manufacturer of a product BioSil. Now, BioSil, if you've never heard of it, has been around for a long time. It's been the standard bearer, I would say, of really well researched silica. And so that's who you're representing today. You graduated cum laude from the University of, it says the University of George in Athens, Georgia. Is that accurate?
2: It's University of Georgia. Sorry about that. That's what I thought. um, (laughs) That's the national champion, uh, University of Georgia.
1: I figured it was Georgia, but we had a little typo there. I wanted to make sure I got that right. You've held a variety of research, quality control, and technical sales positions in the dietary supplement industry, and you've written over 120 articles, been guest on over 250 radio and TV shows, and now including this one, and co-authored two peer-reviewed scientific studies and also the co-inventor of three patents and several patent-pending applications. So what's really interesting, besides your vast background, is where you're coming to us from, Turkey, after a real big earthquake, apparently.
2: I'm calling in from Istanbul. Fortunately, we're very safe here. Istanbul is up on the, like where the Pacific Northwest is, the Upper West Side, and most of the quake activity was down in the central southern part near the. Syrian border. Here we didn't feel the rumble, but they are transporting some seriously injured patients up here to some hospitals that are near where I'm staying. But I, I get to oh, go ahead. Sorry about that.
1: I was just going to say, I think you hold the honor of being the longest distance interview that I've done up to this point. So coming from all the way from Turkey.
2: Thank you for having me. It's a, I'm amazed with the modern technology and how you make it easy and fun to connect halfway around the world.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. And of course, you're in the lobby of a hotel. So if you hear some clinking and clanking, a little bit of background music, that's what's going on there. But really thrilled to have you. So a little bit of background here. We just talked a little bit about your background. How did you get involved with, with bio minerals, the people who make the sill?
2: I was very fortunate. In 2004, they were looking for a technical-based person to help be like a liaison between their proper R&D staff and different regulatory bodies and medical communities and our, our different partners around the world that distribute biotics. And uh, the, Mr. Alan Skolnick, I used to always say he's like the founder, but he didn't found Solgar, but he was the one at the the steering wheel. Him and his son Rand Skolnick made it what it is today. And uh, he recommended me for the position. And it's been a very fun ride getting to travel around the world, uh, talking about the importance of collagen, different strategies to uh, keep it uh, being repaired and rejuvenated throughout somebody's life. I
1: was going to say, it must be interesting working for a company that is an international company that's not located here in the U.S., where you get to then see how supplements are in various different parts of the world. And I think that would be quite fascinating whenever I don't get to get. Out there that often, but I've been to Europe a few times. And one of my favorite things to do is to stop into a little health food store and see what yeah, it looks sure. like. What's their store like yeah. compared to Vitality here in Utah? Yeah, and yeah. it's always fun, especially to get to see brands that I recognize. Oh, yeah. there's a brand that I carry and it's over here in a different language. It must be a pretty fascinating thing that you do.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Like, as an example, here in uh, Turkey, Ogar is King. And when you walk into the okay. store, it's a big gold set. And very recently was in Dubai. And in Dubai, Blue Bonnet is huge. And I used really? to work with Gary Burroughs, the owner of Blue Bonnet, years ago, and I had no idea they did business like that in Dubai <laughs> to walk into their stores and see 300 different products of his. It was a real treat. I learned something in each country, how they marketed a little bit different, how they position things. And I also appreciate the freedoms that we have in the United States, where we have a much a bigger assortment of supplements available in the States, and we're... Although we can't talk about curing diseases, I think we have more freedoms talking about the way that the products impact the physiology and can better communicate the benefits and help people decide which form of magnesium is best for them. Where in some of the other countries, they don't have very many forms of magnesium and you can't say much about it. And it's hard to help people in the same way as in the U.S. So often I learn things, but one of the things I learn is that it's... um, some of the freedoms we fought hard for in the States are quite meaningful at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. And it's easy, like everything else in life, to complain about what you have or don't have without having that perspective that's interesting because of course part of the thing that i do on vitality radio my listeners are well aware is complain a bit about fda and cdc and government overreach in our health care and all these different things but thankfully we do have some laws that protect us quite well i work with a distributor in the uk and there's a lot of things i can't sell to him that are on my shelves as over-the-counter wow. supplements here in america so i absolutely agree with what you're saying there. So let's talk about this topic of collagen. Collagen, like I said in the intro, is super hot right now. Everybody's got a collagen product or a collagen boosting product. And of course, there's a plenty of research as to why collagen matters. But I want to get your perspective on it because I'm actually really curious what you'll have to say on this. First off, for people that are somewhat unfamiliar with collagen, what it is, where it comes from, what it does in the body. Let's start there.
2: Collagen is a strong, flexible, fibrous protein. And it seems to be the body's go-to material whenever it needs to make something that's both strong and flexible. And it forms the framework of all connective tissue in the body. And to me, it's one of the most fascinating proteins in the body, if not the most fascinating one. It's tremendously, pound for pound, it's stronger than steel even. And the place you can observe it the most is in the skin. The skin's about 75% collagen, where it gives the skin its sickness. It's, its what reflects light from the skin to give somebody a radiance or glow. And generally, when somebody thinks about collagen, they often think about the skin. But it forms the framework of a bone. Bone's about 30% collagen, where the collagen gives bone its flexibility and its ability to absorb energy and bend rather than break chalk's very dense calcium, but you can break it with your fingers. Uh, Modern bone researchers think that bone strength is actually 80% of the strength comes from the collagen in it. Joint tissues generally go 70 to 90% collagen. Blood vessels are in the 40% collagen range. Lungs and gastrointestinal tracts get up in 60, 80% range some places. And an often overlooked area, mucous membranes that's like the skin inside the body, inside of your gum and ears and nose, and you actually have two hundred times more surface area inside your body than you do skin, and that that's a collagen-based tissue as well, and can be depending on the thickness of it, to somewhere in the forty to sixty percent collagen range. So at the end of the day, when you look at somebody's body, it's about five to seven percent collagen, and so this puts your average man somewhere nine to. 13, 14 pounds of collagen, and your average woman, 7 to 11, 12 pounds of collagen. So quite significant portion of somebody's mass when it comes down to it, especially considering a hydrated person's like 60 or 65% water. So if you discount that and take a look at the solid material and uh, 5 to 7% of the gross weight, colluding the water, is collagen, this is a very important uh, part of the body, and it's constantly being attacked by things. Free radicals, sugar, stress hormones like cortisol tear it down, homocysteine, injury, sometimes medication side effects tear it down, and it needs to be rebuilt. And a group of French researchers recently estimated that to repair five sets of tissues, not all the collagen in the body, but five sets of tissues, it's most of the collagen in the body body at the end of the day. The body needs to make one pound of collagen every five days. It's much Mm. more dynamic than thought even just 10 years ago. And uh, if somebody's going to properly repair themselves in the same condition that they are, they have to make about a pound of collagen every five days to uh, to keep the status quo. If they want to reverse time or better themselves, they have to produce more than that. And uh, if they don't, then they will deteriorate. And it's it's like a bank account. You start every day with a certain amount. You lose some. You have the opportunity to to make some more. And then you end the day with a different amount. And it's never too late to influence that. And you can do measures to slow down the amount you're losing. And you can do measures or take measures to facilitate the growth of new collagen as well. So it's something that as people we can really roll up our sleeves and make conscious efforts to improve both ends of the equation. And it's one of the reasons I like Biosil so well because it does address both the collagen loss and the generating new collagen as well.
1: Okay. So you brought up a lot of really good stuff there that I want to dive into. Let's first start with one of my favorite things to talk about on Vitality Radio are what are the things that we can do to protect ourselves from these various losses. I talk a lot about protecting ourselves from the loss of good bacteria in the microbiome by you know, not, avoiding antibiotics and not using antibacterial things and this kind of stuff. But you mentioned specifically there are some things that we can do to avoid collagen loss. Let's talk about those.
2: We're very lucky in a lot of ways that number of collagen generating cells in the body doesn't really change after he's about 10 or 11 years old. The concentration of the fibroblast family of cells pretty much the same. So from a biochemistry point of view, it's a good thing. The factories that make collagen are there. Okay. And the average person generally loses about 1% of collagen each year in their adult life. And it's something that doesn't have to happen. Machinery to make the collagen is there. It's just the machinery is not functioning as well. And it's generally because the factory workers, which in the case of collagen are the enzymes that are used to assemble and mature collagen, generally don't function as well. And then people, as they get older, they often will do more things to destroy collagen. There's the two sets of the equation. So going back to your question on what we can do to, or to avoid collagen loss, I think the, the big four sets of things that destroy collagen are homocysteine, which is a byproduct of, of methionine metabolism. Methionine is a scarce amino acid in the diet, and the body is a wonderful piece of machinery. And when it metabolizes methionine, it makes homocysteine, and it's designed to convert that homocysteine back to methionine or to another scarce amino acid called cysteine. B6 converts it to cysteine. B12, folic acid, and the convert it back to methionine. And unfortunately, as people get older, they generally don't absorb these B vitamins and B vitamin-like compounds as well. And they do more things in their body to increase the need for these B vitamins so they don't have as much to neutralize homocysteine. And the homocysteine levels generally elevate. And then as the homocysteine elevates, the homocysteine is chemically corrosive to collagen and it interferes with an enzyme called lysol oxidase, which is required to make collagen. So it suppresses new collagen production as well. So the homocysteine is particularly damaging because it destroys what keeps you from fixing it.
1: Let me ask you a question about that really quick before you move on. I'm very (laughs) curious. So with someone that would be dealing with the MTHFR mutation and struggles then, of course, with the assimilation of folate and B12, B6, things like that, would that person be more likely to struggle with collagen production, collagen loss?
2: Yes, that's a very good point. I haven't been asked that before, but think you're right on the money. Much of the especially fortified foods with the cyanocobalamine in it, the people with the mutation don't properly convert it to you properly methylated into the active form. So they're only like relying on methylfolate as an example or mm-hmm. or methylcobalamine that's found in the diet as opposed to other forms that people without the mutation can process correctly. So they generally have with finding adequate 12 and folic acid in the body, and they don't have as much left to neutralize homocysteine, and that will facilitate collagen destruction and challenge collagen metabolism. So they're at very high risk to have collagen-related problems. It's something they can address. By supplementing with forms that don't need uh, process, they can beat the mutation by taking methylated forms of those. Also, as an example, choline doesn't need uh, methylated uh, to function in the homocysteine. Uh, It's not affected by the mutation. So, it's something that those people can take as well to help spare some of the B12 and folic acid. A lot of these uh, nutrients, for some things, are interchangeable. And if you give, for example, a lot of choline into the body, the body can save B12 for other roles. If it's not using it to neutralize homocysteine, it can use it to activate osteoblast cells to make bone, as an example. And it, you can use it to build osteoblast cells to better make bone. But if you're using all your B12 to neutralize homocysteine, then it's not there to a osteoblast to build bone. So if there's a hierarchy... And some of the things like neutralizing homocysteine, the body is a little bit more flexible. And eating a more diverse diet, picking up olene and its metabolite beta can often save folic acid and 12 to do more specific roles that specifically require those. So it's a very good question. I apologize. I rambled a little bit with the answer because it's a novel question I hadn't been asked before. It was a bit rough, but did it, did it make sense? uh, Yeah, I I think so.
1: And it's an important thing, right? This whole MTHFR thing is a whole different story for a different day. We don't have time to do that for three hours, which is what we'd need. But I think it's important because I know I have a lot of listeners that either know that they're dealing with that mutation or are concerned that they might be dealing with that mutation. And so whenever something like this comes up and we talk about something so structurally critical as collagen, I think it's important to, to dive in there a little bit. Back to what you were saying, because I did interrupt, the big four, homocysteine was number one. What are the other three?
2: And then you have uh, stress hormones, especially cortisol. It's very much homocysteine. It destroys what you have and suppresses new collagen production. And the body's fight-and-flight response really uh, saves energy for your brain, your lungs, your heart, skeletal muscles. And uh, it doesn't deem uh, repairing itself long-term as a high priority when it's scared body will down-regulate collagen production and destroy collagen, trying to make fuel, and it can really take a toll. Generally, if you take a look at somebody under stress, you can see it in them over time. A politician often looks like their grandfather or grandmother after a term, and then they get out of office and they start to look better again. Glycation, which is a violent reaction between sugar and a protein, destroys collagen. And then there's a group of secondary reactions called advanced glycation end products. They call them ages. There's a lot of wonderful work out of the area of the country where you are in those against collagen, and they will destroy collagen throughout the body as well. The ages are secondary reactions to the glycation, and they can also be introduced into the body by environmental pollutants, often when you breathe in things that have been burnt, and when you eat charred foods and things, they'll often be loaded with like advanced glycation end products. So where I'm from, we like to eat barbecue sauce. We like to burn meat with, and then slather it with barbecue sauce. And it's very tasty, but you're destroying collagen uh, when you do that. And then free radicals, especially sunlight and a variety of different environmental pollution I forgot to mention with glycation diabetics as an example are often uh, look fifteen percent older than they actually are, and that that uh, is often because the sugar regulation problems that they have, they end up with high uh, glucose levels in the blood that uh, reacts with the collagen damages the blood vessels, which leads to circulatory problems, and it also damages the skin. And they they generally look 15% older than they are because of that, that damage due to the high blood sugar levels. For our friends, the free radicals, again, environmental pollutants, especially sunlight, it's overexposure to the sun. Different types of byproducts from energy production, leaky mitochondria can cause excessive free radicals that can damage collagen in the body. So I like to put those, those are the big destroyers. And then the time in somebody's life when collagen loss is the greatest is in the first five years after menopause. Some of this has to do with less estrogen in the body. After menopause, the ovaries don't make estrogen anymore. Only the adrenal glands do. So estrogen levels go way down. And estrogen supports collagen production. So there's less estrogen telling the body to make collagen. But that doesn't really explain why there's such a big loss. It explains why there's a reduction of what's being made. But after menopause, there's an enzyme that makes choline. It's called phosphatidyl methyl transferase methyltransferase, and it's called PEMT and PEMT. And this enzyme makes choline and it requires estrogen to work. So after menopause, the body really slows down or pretty much stops making choline. And because it stops making choline, homocysteine levels tend to rise. And choline is also involved in managing stress responses. And generally, people that don't have enough choline have challenges managing anxiety and stress. Choline People with adequate choline or more than adequate choline generally have better stress response and better cortisol levels, where people with suboptimal choline intake have more anxiety, higher cortisol levels. Generally after menopause, the choline levels go way down, homocysteine and cortisol levels go up. And I think that's why there's such a big loss that occurs after menopause. And it's something that doesn't have to happen. It's not easy to manage stress, but recognizing that there's increased nutritional needs. It's something people can address. They can take additional choline. They can take additional B6 and vitamin C and magnesium that are involved in managing stress. And then if necessary, they can try different stress response techniques, behavioral things. And also Mm -hmm. there's a variety of other pharma gobbles and astrogondria extracts and lots of other different things to explore. Theanine and other uh, techniques they can talk to you about in the store, depending on their specific situation that they can take as well. Any minute somebody spends uh, better managing stress is a minute well spent. And it's also a minute that's going to help protect your collagen. So those are, in my opinion, the big things that destroy collagen. And for the most part, they're all stuff that people can manage to some degree. And people can make a very significant difference in their life by recognizing that these are things that destroy collagen and making meaningful change and taking action in areas that they might be at high risk.
1: Yeah. So that's a really interesting list because like you said, I like the words you used. For the most part, these things can be managed because stress isn't going away for any of us, but there are so many things that we can do to enhance our body's ability to work through stress, everything from breath work to meditation to even one of my favorites that I talk about on the show, curiosity as to why you're feeling the stress and trying to understand what's happening in your own head. I've been taking notes. I don't always take notes during my own show, but you're giving me so much good information here. So I'm taking notes and now I think I might have to do a whole show on homocysteine because I think that's something that maybe a lot of people listening aren't very familiar with. But it's a really critical component to our health. And so we'll talk about that in more detail on another episode of Vitality Radio. But basically, we're wanting to manage homocysteine. We're wanting to manage stress. We're going to eat less sugar, less charred food, as you mentioned. Maybe skip the burnt ends if you're at the barbecue place, that kind of thing. And manage our free radical levels, which is a combination of stressors that create free radicals, as you mentioned, environmental stress, but also physical, mental, emotional stress creates free radicals as well. So those are the big four. They're pretty big. And I'm actually very seriously thinking that this is this might be an episode two to tack on to this because I think we can talk about those in more detail. But let's stop there for now as far as what we can do to prevent collagen loss. Let's talk about what the body needs because one of the things that you said very early on that I think may have piqued some people's interest because when we talk about collagen, most people think of it as a supplement. And I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with that. I personally do take collagen myself and we sell collagen at Vitality. I think it can be a very useful thing. But I always look at, okay, what's the body supposed to do if everything's working like it should be? And one of the things that the body is supposed to do if everything's working like it should be is make collagen. So what helps us make more collagen? How does that process work?
2: Collagen is a a fascinating protein. The only downside to it is it's regulated by more than 40 genes, and it's a complicated protein to make. Proteins are put together in chains by linking together different amino acids. The body makes a, a messenger RNA template, which is like a puzzle frame. And then the body puts amino acids, there's transfer RNA that goes out and gets the right amino acids, brings them in and puts them on the template in the right spot. So the amino acids are lined up in the right order. So you need protein and you need the the right proteins that are going to be either containing the amino acids you need or that can be made into the right amino acids. Our product, one of the ways it works is by helping the body make the two most prevalent amino acids in collagen, which are one third glycine and proline. And proline is the second most abundant amino acid in collagen. This is where collagen supplements, I think, can come in as well. When you eat collagen supplements, they're either digested in the gut into the amino acids that can be used to build collagen later on, or they can be absorbed as peptides. And then in the pro-collagen recycling system, they get broken down into amino acids, which can be used to form new collagen. After the body gets done making the initial, what they call alpha chains, then there's a series of at least 10 enzymes that are involved. Sometimes you'll see numbers as high as 13. Sometimes people say there's not that many, but there's at least 10. It's a safe area to talk about that need to process and they have to uh, link. They have to modify the chains to link them together to form triple helixes. And then they have to link the triple helixes together to form thin fibers called fibrils. And then they have to bundle the fibrils together to form fibers, and then they have to form a matrix or a fishnet out of the different fibers. And uh, these enzymes require keys to uh, turn them on. And generally, enzymes that are processing proteins like this, they require a vitamin key and a a mineral key to uh, start them up. And at least five of the enzymes require orthosilicic acid, silicon, to turn on. And at least seven of the enzymes require vitamin C as a key to turn them on. And iron's involved. And some, you need copper as a cofactor and one zinc and a couple. And these are minerals that are in vitamin C as a vitamin that are required to help make collagen. And we got started working with Biosil, investigating it uh, for bone health, because bone's 30% collagen. And uh, we were going to commercialize an anabolic bone complex, making a bone builder. And we quickly learned that most of the consumer interest in it, anytime you generate collagen, has to do with skin. I once Mm -hmm. gave a lecture to 650 orthopedic doctors in Orlando about the hazards of biphosphonate drugs. And the questions weren't about, I thought they were gonna tear me up afterwards, but the questions were about, have you studied this for skin? We quickly went the skin direction, but our product really works by activating the enzymes that are involved in processing the developing collagen to mature it. So I like to say the factories that collagen are built in or the fibroblasts and the factory workers that live in and around the fibroblasts that actually make the collagen, those are enzymes. So, our product helps the enzymes, and the collagen supplement is a great way to get protein if you need it, additional or better proteins in your diet. You can really start a fight at a nutrition conference talking about how much vitamin C you need or how much protein you need. But I would say that, especially in older people, you're probably looking at 40% of the population that's not getting enough protein in their diet, at least. Uh, if you wanna go with a bigger number, I'm not gonna argue with you. If I give a bigger number, somebody's gonna pin their ears back and type in. <laughs> but collagen uh, supplements can be very helpful in many people, but I think product like Biosil, a product like vitamin C, are your first line solutions that help everybody because everybody has to activate enzymes to process the protein that they get in their diet into a collagen and i think that's the first thing that people can do then if they find not getting enough glycine or the body can make glycine a couple of different ways but it can only make a little bit a biocell can help optimize that but taking a glycine supplement or taking a collagen supplement it can help make sure you get more depending on the situation somebody's in collagen supplements can be a very complementary thing to do along with the vitamin C, along with Biosil, to further support collagen production. But I very much like what you said more eloquently than how I say it. I always like to work within the body's natural physiology, supporting that first. And then there's often a need to provide like a remedial or a foundation level of something else to help. And collagen supplements can certainly be something to consider. There's often a variety of uh, what we'll say non-animal or vegan type mixes of uh, different amino acid sources that mimic amino acids that are required. So there are a lot of options depending on somebody's uh, situation, but these are not two of the same thing. It's two very different uh, ways to address supporting collagen production.
1: So I think this is a really important point to make. There are a lot of different things that we can do to influence collagen clearly, both directions, right? Collagen loss as well as collagen building. I've talked about a condition called sarcopenia on Vitality Radio before, which is mostly in older adults in America, about 50 plus seem to struggle more with sarcopenia. And one of the biggest reasons they believe that happens is a lower intake of protein generally. So just making sure we're, getting enough protein from whichever sources you choose to get your protein from, collagen supplements being a great source of protein and a pretty bioavailable source. Uh, but there's also again the flip side with the the stress management, and homocysteine and free radicals. So this is a pretty big picture that we're painting but there's a few things that I want to kind of dial in on. First, I'm curious. You mentioned glycine and proline. You said there was one other amino acid. Collagen is made up of just three amino acids. Is that right? No,
2: sorry. Or not collagen. It it goes glycine, something else, which is usually proline. 34% of it gets converted to hydroxyproline. And then there's a third amino acid. And then it starts again. Glycine, proline or hydroxyproline and something else. There's a debate on how many types of collagen. 23 is a figure that's often used. Sometimes you'll hear bigger numbers. Other times people think that those are genetic abnormalities, these other types of collagen. It's a little bit misleading because 93 or 94% of the Collagen in the body is generally type 1, the most prevalent in the skin, the bones, the tendons, the ligaments, mucous membranes, blood vessels. Type 3 is often made when the body can't make enough type 1. It's plan B. If the body has to make a scar quickly, it tries to make type 1. If it's just not able, it makes type 3. It can make a lot, but it, it's sloppy. It's not high quality. And then the body tries to tear it down and remodel it over the next two years. Type 2 is a specialized slick collagen. It's in the cartilage, generally mm-hmm. where it's known, for. it's also in the eye in a couple of places. And on the end of some bones a year, and it's on the end of all long bones in the cartilage as well. Helps uh, the bones glide instead of grind. But uh, they generally start with 17 or 18 different amino acids. And then some of the lysine gets converted to hydroxylysine. And then some of the proline gets converted to hydroxyproline. So it starts with 17 or 18 and then it gets converted to 19 or 20, depending on the different amino acids. But it comes in those triplet codes. Gotcha. Sorry.
1: Okay. No, that's okay. I wanted to make sure I clarified that because I got a little confused myself. So basically what you're really talking about, if I'm understanding you correctly, and I want to make sure that everybody is understanding this, is basically when we're talking about collagen production in the body, we're talking about some key components that have to be present. We need the vitamins and minerals that turn on the production or turn on the enzymes, the enzyme keys, as you mentioned. We need the specific amino acids and those amino acids that we definitely need are the glycine and the proline to start creating that, that higher level of collagen production. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate?
2: Absolutely. you said okay. it. Uh,
1: okay. And so then we do need to make sure that we're getting enough vitamin C. We need to make sure we're getting enough protein. And then you mentioned this. And of course, we've got to talk about this whole silica thing. Silica, also known as silicone or silicon, which is, of course, a naturally occurring mineral. If you think about in nature, one of the primary places you find silicon is sand. And it's an interesting thing because when I think about it, and I'm trying to explain this to people At Vitality, I say, can you imagine eating a a spoonful of sand and saying, okay, body, break this down and and use it for something, right? It's not an easy mineral to assimilate. So what's happened with BioSil, as I understand it, and I really want you to dig into the, the research that we know about this, is you've put silica into a highly bioavailable and usable form that the body can then do what it needs to do to build more collagen with.
2: That's right. Uh, Generally, the body only absorbs silicon in the form of orthosilicic acid. Ortho means one, so it's a single silicic acid molecule. And this is found in nature in mineral water. It's the most uh, prevalent source. When rain water, it's generally a pH somewhere between 4, 4.3, 4.5. filters through the uh, sand, and uh, if it's volcanic sand, it generally has more silicon in it, and uh, some of it gets hydrolyzed from the pH, the low pH, and it becomes orthosilicic acid. So Waters like Volvic and Fiji generally have the highest amount of orthosilicic acid in it. And, and sometimes processed foods that are made from grains that have a lot of silicon caught up in the fibers in the husk. As an example, beer is one of the biggest sources of orthosilicic acid in the North American diet. And some bone researchers go as far as saying that it may explain... To some degree, why men have better bones than women? Because they have a higher orthosilicic acid intake because they drink more <laughs> beer. When they cook, they cook the, the barley and the silicones in the husk. It's poorly absorbed when you eat it, but they cook it at a high temperature with the agitation. Some of it uh, gets converted into orthosilicic acid. So we basically take that orthosilicic acid and uh, we combine it with choline, the B vitamin-like compound, and it uh, keeps both of them. And uh, it makes it highly absorbable, and uh, it's absorbed in everybody. It doesn't need to be uh, digested further by the body. You get real good reproduction when a wide range of people take it. They have very similar uh, absorption on it. It's easy to study, and it was invented at University of Antwerp to improve research on orthosilicic acid, and we've sponsored more than 25 years and $20 million of research on it. It's clinically proven to make clinically relevant or meaningful changes to hair, skin, nails, bones, joints, and the most recent research is with oral health, with gums, the jawbone, and and getting implants to better incorporate into the gum and the jawbone. So it's, it's clinically proven to improve collagen metabolism throughout the body. I would say 80% of the interest is with skin and hair and nails, but it does support collagen structures throughout the body. And it's one of the real joys working with the product. We sponsor research. It's independently conducted research by university personnel. We do some of the groundwork showing that it works and showing it's safe and China's estimate how it's going to perform so you can properly power or decide how many people you need in the studies form to to show statistical significance and whatnot. But the actual studies are done by individual independent researchers.
1: Yeah. And there are a lot of studies. And one of the things that, of course, people are, I think, a little bit leery of when it comes to natural products is maybe the evidence is more anecdotal than it is studied. And of course, Richard, you and I go way back to when there wasn't much real university research on supplements at all back in the 60s and 70s. And now we know there's a ton of great research on everything from fish oil to L-arginine to collagen and silicon, all these things. And so one of the things that I love about Biosil and one of the reasons I'm so confident recommending it to people is because there is a lot of really solid research proving its efficacy. So can you share with my listeners some of the things that we know and that have been proven in this research in terms of how Biosil can impact the body's ability to improve skin and bone and joint and all these other areas of health?
2: Yeah, the study I'm asked about the most was actually the first ever double-blind placebo-controlled study that showed something you put in your mouth impacted your appearance. And it was a 20-week study where half the women took a placebo, just had plant fiber in it, and the other half took a biocell, liquid biocell that was sprayed onto a plant fiber. It's the same capsules you sell in the store. And they took two a day. And they looked the same as the other capsules. And the women taking Biosil reduced the depth of their fine lines by 19%, while the fine lines deepened 11% in the placebo group. So it was a 30% difference over the five months. And then the skin elasticity, the measurements were taken over on the side of the forehead where the crow's feet form. They sent shockwaves through the skin with a spirometer. And the measurements improved in the Biosil group worsened in the placebo group, it was 89% difference after the five months. And modern dermatologists believe that the loss of skin elasticity is actually what starts the wrinkling process. So if you can show there's an improvement in elasticity, it's the first step on like reversing the wrinkling. It's interesting, collagen is very strong, but it doesn't stretch where elastin stretches a lot and it recoils. So if you look at skinny jeans, they don't look good on me. They aren't <laughs> wrinkled. They're about 95% cotton and 5% spandex. And the spandex keeps them tight on your leg, which some people that's a good thing, mean not so much. But in the skin, it's the same where collagen serves a role as cotton, giving the thickness and the strength. And the maximum that the skin's going to stretch as determined by the collagen. But the elastin, it pulls back and how tight it's going to be and how wrinkle-free it's going to be. So when the elastin breaks down, it doesn't recoil back. And so you have a regular pair of jeans. They have the same thickness as a pair of skinny jeans, but it doesn't fit leg very tight and generally is more wrinkled. As you lose elastin in the skin, collagen just expands and becomes looser. And then as the collagen starts to decrease, the micro-relief deepens and becomes fine lines, and then they deepen and become more noticeable wrinkles. But they used to think it was just the loss of the collagen volume, but now they think that it's really the loss of the elasticity that's triggering the problem. And So they're looking for elasticity changes first, and that's what we clearly saw in this study. There was a very dynamic change and improvement in elasticity and a significant improvement in the depth of the wrinkles. It really showed that the product was working on a variety of levels.
1: Yeah, that's really fascinating. I hadn't understood that elastin aspect of it, but it makes perfect sense. And I love the analogy because it's real easy to see what you're talking about when it comes to the skinny jeans. So the elastin aspects, I think that's important too, to shine a little bit of a light on that, because we talked about the things that you can do to support collagen production in the body. We talked about the things you can do to prevent collagen loss, but apparently... When we take collagen as a supplement or we take protein that can then eventually become collagen in the body, maybe that's part of the job, but it sounds like the orthos, I'm never say this right, orthosilicic acid. Am I saying that right? It's perfect. So the OSA there that's in the Biosil bonded to the choline is also, we believe, then making elastin, not just collagen or supporting the production of elastin.
2: Yes. elastin has a very different structure to it. the The way the fibers are put together is quite different. But at the end of the day, the elastin and collagen are more similar than they are different. They're the only two tissues in the body that contain hydroxyproline. They're both made by fibroblast cells, and they need the same enzymes, many of the same enzymes, to make collagen and elastin. The template that's followed in the way the enzymes link the little pieces together is different very different and the end result is two radically different <laughs> structures but uh, when you look at their core components they're more similar than they are uh, different biosil can increase the production of both and protect uh, both collagen's a little bit more dynamic we think than elastin but both of them are being lost and made all throughout somebody's lifetime and uh, Biosil helps both sides of the equation, and it's uh, never too late to, to start. The best day to start was yesterday. The second best day is tomorrow. And in the old days, there wasn't even a test to test for elastin. They looked for hydroxyproline, and then they said it was all collagen. It's really an overlooked and underappreciated protein in the body. But now you can stain them with different dyes, And then you have to measure the total and based on the color, try to estimate and then subtract out the elastin. And generally people, that skin's about generally 75% in a healthy person, collagen, and about 5% elastin. As people develop less youthful skin, that elastin level may decrease into the 3%. 2% 2% range. Sometimes you'll find people with more elastin in the skin. But when I give a figure greater than 5%, there's always somebody that wants to argue. So 3 to 5% is a nice range that keeps conservative public health people at bay.
1: And that's interesting because, like you said, with the jeans, I love that analogy. I'm going to have to borrow that from you. But a pair of skinny jeans, a pair of yoga pants, a pair of socks, you. generally speaking, you're going to have a very small percentage of spandex in there, or lycra, or whatever they're using it as the stretchy component of the material. But that small percentage is really critical. Without yeah, it, they don't they don't bounce right. back, like you said. So a little bit of elastin essentially goes a long ways. So we're running real short on time here, but I want to hit a couple more things before I let you go. I'm very curious about that there are, I would say there's three main things that most people think about with collagen. And as you've said, and I've certainly witnessed this myself, most people are thinking hair, skin, and nails, particularly skin as a biggie. And of course, it is a big thing that people are concerned about. But we also think about joints when we think about collagen and joint health. And we think, I think a lot about gut health too. A lot of people talking about that. What do we know about Biosil in those two areas before I let you go?
2: Joint health, there's a, uh, a wonderful study. It was a 12 week study on men and the men had moderate to moderately severe joint discomfort. It was a uh, grade three generally. And uh, they took either Biosil or placebo, two capsules a day, the same ones you have in your store. And uh, for 12 weeks, and the participants were given a WOMAC. It's a Western Ontario and Masters Arthritis Criterium. Gold standard to gauge how somebody's knee health, and they use it for hip health, some studies, is impacting their life. There's, I think, five questions for pain. And BioCill reduced the pain 48%. It was about 27% better than the placebo group. There's three questions, I think, about uh, range of motion. Biosil increased the range of motion 35% better than the placebo And there's 17 questions about the difficulty doing daily tasks. These are not tasks that guys are going to brag about at the bar trying to impress women or each other, but they're very utilitarian type things like putting on socks in the morning, going downstairs, getting out of a car, getting out of a bathtub, going shopping, just basic tasks that if you're in pain, it's going to it impact your life. Biosil reduced the difficulty doing those tasks. I think it was twenty six or twenty seven percent better than the placebo group and in a twelve week period. The researchers also looked at two markers of cartilage breakdown the uh, CTX2, which is a marker of type 2 collagen breakdown, and COMP, which is uh, the non-collagen component in cartilage. And BioCyl uh, really put the the turnover of a collagen back into a more normal range. Then it was quite elevated at the start of the study. The people were losing a lot more than they were making. Their collagen was clearly deteriorating. And uh, I think the reason it worked so fast was the fluid in the knee, the synovial fluid, is a hyaluronic acid based. It's about 70% hyaluronic acid. And the orthosilicic acid can link together the hyaluronic acid polymers to improve the structure, so it better cushions the joint, and more importantly, it better transports nutrients to the chondrocytes, so the chondrocytes can get the oxygen and the the nutrients it needs to better repair and remodel the cartilage. They don't have blood flow; those chondrocytes they need to get the nutrients through that fluid. And the better condition the fluid is, the better the chondrocytes function. I think that's why it works so quickly. It's not an area that we have studied so far. The most recent study had to do. There were two studies that were done concurrently. One was in people with a condition called peri-implantitis. It's a state that occurs in a certain number of individuals that have dental implants. A dental implant has a screw, and you want to put the screw in the the gum, and you want the gum in the bone to grow into the screw. It's a spectrum, and there's a debate on what is peri-implantitis. Sometimes you'll see a number as low as 5%, and you'll see a number as high as 30%. And it depends on what definition is used. So I'm going to use a like a more aggressive definition. Say it happens in 30% of the cases. And the gum and the, uh, the bone don't grow into the implant very well. In some people, it actually forms a capsule, and the body tries to push it out. And in this study, the participants took two Biosol capsules for one year, and actually the gum grew back. I got telling story and forgot the figures. Uh, it was 61% better improvement in the group taking biosol compared to the placebo for the receding gums. The gum actually grew back 7% and uh, the bone loss stabilized. The placebo group lost 21% where the Biosil group was a percenter than that. And uh, it uh, really showed that it improved the uh, collagen metabolism in the gum. And at the same time, a different group of researchers looked at uh, receding gums and these were much healthier people that It was more of people with periodontitis, just receding gums. It's very common as people age. And the deeper pockets improved, and the most improvement was in the shallow pockets. The depth on probing and the bleeding on probing was significantly reduced in the group-taking biocell in just a six-month period. You saw good results in three months and excellent results in six months. So that was the newest study. The results on that one were presented at the Greater New York Dental Academy meeting. And the, uh, the implantitis studies was published in BMC Oral Health. Those are the uh, the two most recent published ones. The The most uh, recent finished study was on skin. It was a group of women that took chiosol in a Vizia scanner, looked at eight parameters over 90 days, and all the women proved at least one parameter, and uh, the average woman improved in four parameters in 90 days. There was also a, another very recent study on postmenopausal women with brittle nails, and it's very common position, condition affects 20% of the U.S. population and 40% of postmenopausal women. All the women in this study had brittle nails. The women in the Biosol group took two Biosol capsules for six months, and uh, 100% of the Biosol group improved. 56% had completely normal nails at the end of the study and the other 44% had much improved nails at the end of the study 30% of the w- women had splits along the nails or cracks and none of the women had cracks at the end of the study so the ridges improved in 70% are normalized completely in 70% of the women that had ridges it was it was quite an interesting uh, results in just 6 months Um, Yeah. um,
1: Of course, people need to recognize that this is a process, right? We're literally building tissue here, whether it's your nails, your skin, your hair, or the gums in the mouth. And so it does take a little bit of time. The studies that you're citing are anywhere from three months to six months, which is not that long of a time to see a really substantial improvement and benefit, which I think is incredibly impressive because again, it's a process to just get that stuff to grow. Anybody that thinks about their fingernails and how they grow and how often you have to clip your nails and things like that. One of the things that's funny I hear from Vitality fairly regularly when I sell BioSil is I've never had to cut my nails so often, right? They notice that they're growing a lot faster, but also a lot thicker without the ridges, without the cracks, the peeling and all that kind of stuff. And it's funny too, because a lot of people take BioSil specifically for nails. A lot of people take it specifically for joints or for skin. But one of the things that I think I always hear pretty much across the board, it seems, is when they were taking it for some other purpose, they come back and say, I can't believe what it's done for my nails. We hear that all the time, which is really interesting. So we've gone way over time here, Richard. And what I'm going to do, this is a radio show locally, which where I am on a time limit, but it's also a podcast where I have a little more flexibility. So we'll cut this up just a little bit. We'll get the full show out to the podcast community and we'll get almost all of the show out to the radio community. So if you're on radio, you'll hear things cut up just a little bit more. And if you want to hear every word of the conversation, jump on Vitality Radio podcast on your podcast app and you can listen there. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners since we are over time anyway, give you a couple more minutes if there's anything else that you think people need to know about Biocell and what it can do for the body?
2: I'd like to stress that collagen and elastin are dynamic tissues that are constantly remodeling in the body. You need to make about one pound every five days, and it's never too late to take an active role in that. Biosil is a wonderful solution because it helps uh, on both ends of the equation. It helps protect uh, the collagen and elastin keratin you have, and it helps make your body make new collagen, elastin, and keratin to better repair itself. And it can be whether a standalone product or core to your beauty or joint or bone health stat. It's something that can make a meaningful change in your life. encourage you to talk to Jared and his team or read more about BioCell on our biocell.beauty website or go to pubmed.gov. Read an NIH database. It contains a variety of studies on CHOSA. That's kind of the trademark term for choline-stabilized orthosilicic acid. They can search it for there. And thank you for the time and the privilege and honor to participate on your program today. And uh, thank you for making it fun for me. I learned something every time I hear one of your your programs and learned a lot here. And I I really love how you interact with your guests. And it's been a lot of fun. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Richard. And uh, the feelings mutual is a great conversation. I'd love to have one in the future and maybe even go a little bit deeper on this topic because it's clear that you have no shortage of information to share. So let's just wrap this up by saying a few things that I'd like to do to maybe tighten up the information. Because one of the things that I know you're listening, right now and you're saying, okay, so I just learned all this stuff. Now what? So let's talk about that just real briefly. And then we'll finish this up. First off, we touched on a few things that I think are really important. We need to make sure we're getting enough protein that we're eating a good, clean sources of protein optimally. And this is all coming from my point of view, but I would anticipate Richard probably agrees here. Okay. Good, clean, organic sources of protein that we're getting enough in our diets as far as that goes, that we are covering the basic basis of nutrition. Vitamin C is important, but you mentioned copper. Of course, we talked about amino acids. And of course, the silica, which we know uh, if it's in a food source or a water source in the (laughs) orthosilic... Silicic acid, I think I'm saying that. The OSA that's in, you mentioned Fiji water and vulvic water being options that have a high level of naturally occurring silica that is bioavailable. That can be a useful tool. And of course, Biosil can be useful. So we have to cover the bases. We need to watch our stress levels and do things that we can to reduce our cortisol. Again, breath work, a lot of things like that. I am going to do a follow-up show and I'll do this solo, but we'll talk a little bit more about homocysteine and the glycation and the stress and some of these Things that we can do that are preventative. And of course, adding, I, I love what you said, Richard, about it can be a, a, a solo nutrient, the CHOSA, and it will do great things because the studies that you've done on BioSil were done on just BioSil versus a pl- placebo. But if we then add, The vitamin C and we add the copper and we add the zinc and we add the collagen and the protein and these things, then we can only anticipate even better results and probably quicker results. And so these are the things that you want to look at because we're always talking holistically. When it comes to the human body, we have to look at the full approach of what makes us healthier, what causes us to break down, and what causes our body to build itself back up. And when we do this as a team effort, of course, we're always going to get the best results. In the show notes, on the show description, we'll have links to some of the articles on PubMed. We'll link to the biosil.beauty site. We'll And I'll even list some of these other things that we've talked about so that you can thumb through those, the show description, and make sure that you've got a clear understanding of what we've discussed. Because there's been a lot of technical information shared, but really important stuff. Richard Passwater. Thank you so much for your time on Vitality Radio. I appreciate it very much joining us all the way from Turkey in a, in a hotel lobby. Very much appreciate your time and your education on this topic.
2: Thank you, Jared. I really appreciate the opportunity and thank you.
1: All right. And for you listening, I hope this has been a great show for you. If you like what you hear, go tell somebody. Share this episode of Vitality Radio. If you have questions about anything that you've heard, you can call us at 801-292-6662. That's 2926662 or jump on our website vitalitynutrition.com you can find Biosill there which will also be linked in the show description and you can open up a chat if you have questions at vitalitynutrition.com thank you so much for listening to me I'm Jared St. Clair and this has been another episode of Vitality Radio
0: Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag VitalityRadioPodcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. The FDA has not evaluated this podcast. This
2: podcast is provided with the understanding that information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for care by a medical professional. Thank you.